Kia ora and welcome to my daily podcast. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is a podcast that goes out with my email newsletter every weekday. It's via the Substack that I produce called The Kaka. I focus on housing unaffordability, climate change inaction, and poverty reduction in Aotearoa. I look at it through the lens of the political economy and focus in particular on how the government funds things and how it's connected to the rest of the economy, in particular the housing market. I have this view that the housing market is the key driver of all sorts of things in Aotearoa, and that if you can solve the housing market problem, you'll also go a long way to solving our climate change and poverty reduction problems. But one of the reasons that our housing market is so expensive is that our interest rates have been forced down lower than they otherwise would be if the government had done a better job of funding public health services, education and uh, all sorts of social services. Essentially, both sides of Parliament, National and Labour, have for 30 years pursued a low public debt and low taxes policy. So New Zealand's tax take, about 31-32% of GDP, is in the bottom half of the OECD. And both Labour and National have pledged they want to get it down below 30% of GDP. Now, the end result of all that is that we tend to run surpluses whenever we can. In fact, that's one of the rules of the fiscal fiscal, uh, uh, settings that both National and Labour run. And we tend only to run deficits in extreme uh, stress examples. Say, for example, after the global financial crisis or the Canterbury earthquakes, or the recent COVID disaster. But the uh, preset path is always to try and get back into surplus and to constantly reduce government debt. Now, government debt in New Zealand is running at just on 20% of GDP net. Now, that's about a third of the level of debt that we see in other countries, including the likes of Britain and even less than it is in the United States, and significantly less than in Australia. Now the problem here is that because of this low tax and low debt focus, and the reason for that is to try to keep interest rates lower than they otherwise would be, which of course is great for land prices and for those betting on uh, leveraged tax-free gains on residential land prices, What it means is you have to keep pressing down on spending that has a natural tendency to grow, sometimes faster than the rest of the economy. Healthcare spending is one of those areas. So over the last 30 years, various measures have been taken to try to stop the increase in the costs of our publicly funded healthcare system. So that includes hospitals, um, uh, medications, primary healthcare, all sorts of ways of trying to discourage people from uh, uh, using public health care. And you see that in, for example, the $5 co-payment fee for people getting prescriptions. And you get that uh, relatively cheap $5 fee 
up until a maximum of $100 per year. Now, this is in almost all pharmacies, particularly the independent ones. You see with the likes of Chemist Warehouse and some others a marketing decision to drop that $5 fee. But, of course, that's only in a few places, certainly not in regional New Zealand. And what happens once you've done your 20 prescriptions per year, so once every fortnight, then you have to pay a much higher fee. And it turns out $5, which might not seem an awful lot to a lot of people, but actually for people who are very, very stressed financially, for all sorts of reasons, $5 is an awful lot of money. And it turns out that the studies done by uh, Otago University and others show a lot of people are choosing not to get their medications because of that $5 fee. Now, we know this for a couple of reasons. There's been surveys done, but also um, there have been examples uh, during COVID and after the Gabrielle cyclones where the prescription fee, the co-payment fee, was temporarily dropped. And that saw a significant increase in the use of prescriptions and therefore a reduction in the various health problems that happen when people don't take their prescriptions. Well, today we've got a survey out from the Independent Community Pharmacy Group, and they are launching a campaign to remove the co-payment fee. And uh, what they've done is they've done a survey of 150 pharmacists right up and down the country to ask them about this co-payment fee and what they're seeing from their customers, their uh, patients, uh, when they come in and have to pay the co-payment. And it's a damning survey, which shows that the decisions to impose this co-payment, which generate around about $150 million a year in extra revenue for the government, are costing the government billions in extra hospital costs, uh, extra problems with mental health incidents, all sorts of things. And you can see a lot more detail in the email newsletter I've sent out today, which shows that... Uh, uh, pharmacists are reporting people not taking their medications for mental health. Um, There's one instance cited of schizophrenia where um, uh, after various uh, untreated episodes, um, this person wasn't taking their medication, couldn't afford to pay for uh, uh, fluoxetine, and ended up on hospital on IV antibiotics for a few days. In another case, um, a man uh, did not collect his prescriptions because he said he couldn't pay for it, didn't tell his family, and one day had a massive stroke uh, because of it. Another example, um, uh, a man who couldn't afford his prescriptions for diabetes eventually got so sick he had to have his foot amputated. And um, that is just one of many examples. Now, this follows up a Otago University study I reported on in February, which showed that for every dollar earned from the co-payment uh, fee, uh, there was a cost of $18 in extra hospital costs. So... If you're doing your analysis properly, well-being analysis properly, you'd say, well, this is saving us a dollar or earning us an extra dollar, so we don't have to borrow a dollar. But the costs in the long run are an extra $18 in hospital costs. 
So you'd say to yourself, well, this financially doesn't make sense. We should drop the co-payment and we should um, save ourselves $18 over the long run. Now, this, of course, is not just $18. There's $150 million in fees that are raised. And uh, when you take the 18 to 1 ratio out, the, the cost to the taxpayers of imposing this $150 million fee is $2.65 billion. Apart from anything else, uh, that's financially stupid. And uh, I wrote about this at the time. What we're seeing today in this survey is a bit more of the detail of what happens when you do this. And also uh, reports back on uh, the good results when you drop it, as it was, as happened in the wake of the um, Cyclone Gabrielle, although it was only a temporary change. I also refer to a report that's in today's post by Nikki McDonald about the situation with pregnancy scans. So these are designed to screen for potentially fatal abnormalities. And there have been various reports in the last 20 years saying that this funding for these pregnancy scans should be given because they're not. The costs for these pregnancy scans could be anywhere between $30 and $165. There are some uh, former district health board areas where there is a smaller co-payment than in others. It's partly funded by these district health boards. And um, again, uh, these are um, issues where there have been budget bids by the Ministry of Health to fund these things. There was one in 2022 for the funding of pregnancy scans, but it was rejected by Treasury. And I'm very interested to know uh, how Treasury and the government can justify using any sort of sensible well-being analysis or actuarial approach, how it can be justified to not spend this money. Also in today's email newsletter, I include the latest round of research that's come out of the University of Auckland's Growing Up in New Zealand Longitudinal Study. You might recall there was one being done by the University of Otago, which has been going on for a long time and is incredibly useful at um, studying the effects of all sorts of things on um, health, education, social outcomes, financial outcomes. It's absolutely brilliant at trying to understand how our uh, society and economy um, is changing and what are the factors that improve or worsen well-being. And the one in Auckland has been going now for 12 years. It's called Growing Up in New Zealand. And we've got the latest results today, looking in particular at things like uh, housing and, and also uh, food availability. So this survey today found that uh, 7% of kids at the age by the age of 12 have spent some time completely homeless. 15% of 12-year-olds are living currently in households with moderate levels of food insecurity. Uh, 2% of uh, those are um, not receiving enough food. And uh, what's been found is that um, the level of use of special food grants and food banks amongst families surveyed had increased from 6.4% four years ago, pre-COVID, to 10% now. So what that says is that the people who are struggling the most in our society are those with young children who are on low incomes, and they are much worse off now than they were. 
And when you step back and look at what's going on here, we are constantly saving money through government spending in the aim of reducing interest rates to push up house prices. And uh, in the end, we're not saving ourselves money. We're just pushing the costs off onto a particular part of society now, but longer term costs off onto the public um, uh, the public bill in future. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my daily podcast for Monday the 1st of May. Ka kite anō.